We have the privilege of opening God's Word again in the book of Ruth. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Ruth chapter 2. And once you have found your place, if you would stand so that we can read together the Word of God. Ruth chapter 2, beginning at verse 17. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned and said to her, I'm sorry, um, her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also brought out and gave her what food she had left over after being satisfied. And her mother-in-law said to her, where did you glean today? And where have you worked? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man's name with whom I worked today is Boaz. And Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And Ruth the Moabite said, Besides, he said to me, You shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his young women, lest in another field you be assaulted. So she kept close to the young woman of Boaz, gleaning until the end of the barley and wheat harvests, and she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you so much, again, for the privilege of coming into your presence and hearing your word having your word opened, hearing you speak to us. We praise you and we thank you. Open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts to hear what you would have us to hear today. Pray us all in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What is faith? Or what does it mean to believe in Jesus Christ? And more specifically... Do we have a faith that is blind, or do we have a faith where we can know something is true, that we can trust that that thing is true, and that we can trust that enough to follow? Take this example. You are a mountain climber, and you are on the face of a mountain, and you've come to a place where it's very difficult, and you can't really go up any higher, but there's a corner of the face, and there's a handhold right there. So you can see that handhold but you also know that you're kind of in trouble. What you can't see is right on the other side, on the other face of the mountain, there's a nice restful ledge that you can just swing on this handhold right to that ledge, but you can't see it. Blind faith would be if you and your friend are climbing this mountain, you come to this place, your friend says, hey, I think I remember that if you swing on that handhold, then there's a restful ledge over there. Blind faith would mean that you just take his opinion and his hopeful aspiration that there is a ledge there, and you swing to find the ledge. That's blind faith. The opposite of that is a biblical understanding of faith. What happens if you come to this part of the mountain, on the face of this mountain, and your friend says, hey, let's switch places quick. I've been to this place before. I know this handhold. I know that there's a ledge over there. So he takes your place, grabs the handhold, swings around to the ledge, and safely rests on that ledge. And then he tells you, come, come on, there is a ledge, and there is safe, there's a safe way to get there. 
Now, faith comes in because you still can't see the ledge. You still can't be 100% sure that that handhold is going to hold. You can't be 100% sure that that ledge, that there's enough room for the two of you to stand on that ledge. But even without knowing 100% certainty that that will happen, even though you can't see it, you can be confident. You can be very confident. And as we speak of faith with the Holy Spirit, you could be 100% sure confident. That as you swing to the other side, you will find a restful ledge. This is the kind of faith that God calls us to. There's really nothing blind about it because the evidence is piled so high. As we come again to Ruth this morning, we see Naomi's beautiful conversion. We see her conversion. Naomi finally believes. She sees all this evidence. She agrees that God is for her. And she trusts God enough to follow after him. In this conversion, we see the goodness of God. We see the love of God to reveal himself to his prodigal daughter and to bring her back to himself. But as we come to look at this section of Ruth, we cannot forget what has come before, especially for Naomi. The last time we saw Naomi in this story, she was miserable. Spiritually, she thought God was against her. Emotionally and relationally, she was empty and embarrassed. Physically, she was a widow with no provision and no um, protection. Naomi was in such a low place, and yet, in the story before us, unlike Naomi, you and I have seen the Lord working. He has already brought a harvest back to Bethlehem. He has brought Naomi and Ruth back to the land of promise. Ruth has clung to her. She has the presence of Ruth. And of course, we all know of Boaz, this kind and wealthy man who has already shown a great favor towards Ruth and Naomi. You and I already know that the Lord is beginning to work. We get to see his good providence. And now in our text this morning, we get a front row seat to see God reveal himself to his dearly beloved daughter. This revelation from God begins with this huge gleaning that Ruth brings home. In verse 17, we see that Ruth spent the rest of the day gleaning in the field. And after beating out what she had gleaned, she ends up with an ephah. An ephah. That would be about 40 to 50 pounds of food. The weight of the bar at the gym. Or you can think of it as one of those huge bags of dog food slung over your shoulder. I wonder, as she had all of this food, I wonder if she thought how she was going to uh, reveal this to Naomi. One way, she could have just opened the door and just stood there with all this food and all this goodness and waited for Naomi to notice as Naomi's eyes just like look over her like what in the world has the Lord done? Or she bursts through the door, throws all this food at Naomi's feet and says, Naomi, Naomi, mother, look what the Lord has done for us. Look at his goodness. Now we don't know how Ruth revealed to Naomi all of these gleanings and the leftovers, but we know Naomi is blown away. In verse 19, she asks, Where did you glean today? And where have you worked? 
How did you possibly bring home so much food? She did not expect Ruth to really find any food, nor did she expect Ruth to be protected, and she especially didn't expect Ruth to have this much food and to be brought into a meal with the, the, the reapers. But the Lord has followed through on his promises once again. The Lord provides all of these blessings to Ruth so that Ruth can then bring them to Naomi, and Naomi gets to see what the Lord is doing. God is opening her eyes, revealing his provision and protection. There is evidence now that God is following through on his promises as Ruth comes home with all of this story. And this is consistent with how our God always works. God gives promises, he declares truth, and then he shows us. He proves it. He gives us evidence. There's nothing blind about how God works and reveals himself to his people. From creation to the human body and the human mind, God is revealing himself and his goodness. In the incarnation, in the resurrection, we have irrefutable evidence that both of those happened. Throughout Scripture, God gives a covenant and then gives a sign to go along with that covenant. Not to mention the Lord revealing himself in his word. God always gives us proof, always gives us evidence. Look around you. As simple as it was for Naomi to say, wow, someone must have taken notice of you because this is extraordinary. You and I can say, wow, something must have happened because this is extraordinary. There is a God. He has revealed himself to us. The evidence is too much to refute. And that's the first part of Naomi's conversion. That's the first way that God reveals himself to us, and yet there's so much more as well. All of this story about Naomi and Ruth and Boaz climaxes with how Ruth now responds to Naomi's question in verse 19. She said, I worked in the field of a man named Boaz. And at the mention of the name of Boaz, Naomi knows her whole situation, her whole life has just been flipped upside down. Naomi says to Ruth in verse 20, May he be blessed by the Lord, whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. The man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. And here it is. Naomi realizes for the first time not only that there is a God, but she realizes for the first time that this God is for her. This God is good to her. Naomi has always known of God. Throughout the book of Ruth, we've heard Naomi speak over and over about God and his sovereignty, but Naomi has always thought that God was against her. Some of the last words that we remember Naomi saying is that God has testified against her. He has brought calamity upon her. She, she thinks that God is real and sovereign, but that God hates her. But once she sees the hall from Ruth and hears that it was Boaz, she makes a 180 degree turn. She prays a blessing over Boaz and says that the Lord has not forsaken 
His kindness to her. The Lord and His love have not abandoned her. The word kindness here in the the Hebrew is that beloved word hesed. It's the steadfast, faithful, overwhelming love of God. His hesed has not forsaken her. You can picture how Naomi is now fully transformed as she realizes God is for her. With all the joy and the excitement that Ruth must have had as she brought all these gleanings and these leftovers to Naomi, now Naomi is even more excited than Ruth. She would have said, oh, you think that's cool? You think one day of gleaning and one meal is cool? Guess what? This man, Boaz, is one of our redeemers. He's our close relative. He can redeem us. As Naomi was as low as she could get, now she gets to rejoice because Boaz could restore everything. Well, what does, Boaz, or what does Naomi mean when she says that Boaz is a close relative and a redeemer? Well, she's speaking back of Deuteronomy 25 and Leviticus 25, where the Lord speaks to the people of Israel and makes a provision. He makes a provision for widows, for indebted relatives, and for land that has been sold. So if a widow doesn't have a son, then the brother is of the deceased, then, then the brother of the deceased husband is to be a husband to the widow. Or if someone sells himself because of his debt, sells himself into slavery because of his debt, a family member is able to pay that man's debt and get him out of slavery. Or if a family land has been sold, a family member, a close relative, a redeemer, can buy back that land and get the land back into the family. God calls the family, close relatives, redeemers, to help family members in need so that God's people can always be provided for, so that the widow can have a son to protect her and to give her provision, to protect and keep the family name going. And the land can still be in the family. Naomi is thrilled. Boaz is a close relative. He might just redeem us. But Boaz actually has no obligation, no legal responsibility to actually redeem Naomi and Ruth. He's not a brother of Elimelech. Nor does the one who redeems land or debt actually need to redeem that land or that person from slavery. There's no obligation. There are so many loopholes that Boaz could have snuck through to make sure and to let Naomi and Ruth go. But as Naomi sees all that Boaz has already provided, as she hears of his kindness, as she hears uh, that, that he called Ruth my daughter, as he invited Ruth to eat with him, she sees that Boaz has already taken responsibility for them. So she can have an expectant hope that God is working and that God is working to redeem them, to bring them out of this horrible situation and to bring them into joy and peace. Naomi has now realized that beginning in chapter 1, verse 1, from the beginning of her existence, God has been working. God has always been for her good. She was wrong. 
She finally realizes that she was too quick to denounce the Lord. She was too quick to give up on her, his promises. God had a better plan for her life, and he's always been working that better plan out for her. She finally realizes that God did all of this for her good. But you still might ask, wait, you're telling me that all the pain and the sorrow and the death and the hurt that she experienced, this plan and the new life that God is now giving to Naomi, that's so much better than what Naomi had before? Is, is what God doing actually any better than what Naomi had before they moved to Moab? And while we don't know all of God's purposes, and we don't know all of Naomi's story, we are confident that yes, this new life, what the Lord is doing, what the Lord is providing, is an even better path, is a way better path than what she had before. Now, there was a lot of evil that happened, especially on the part of Naomi. She meant it for evil, but God always meant it for good. And the evidence that is overwhelming that proves that God is for Naomi and doing something way better than she could ever imagine is this here, her conversion. She comes to faith through this plan. She knows God's for her. She's been given life, and not only life, but life eternal. So I ask you, would you rather have an easy life with no pain and go to hell for eternity, or... Would you rather suffer in this, life, in this life, which in comparison is light and momentary, and have life forever, eternal joy and peace and goodness? Or suppose one of those who passed in Moab, whether that was Naomi's husband or a son, suppose one of them was a believer. And, and that person, that man, uh, from heaven, looks down on this story, this plan that God is working out, do you think that this person would be okay with his passing into glory so that his wife or mother could come to faith? Do you think that his death, that he would see that as absolutely being worth it for the eternal life of Naomi? Any believing parent here who has a wayward child would make that deal in an instant. In an instant. God is good. God is working out his good providence for Naomi. Brothers and sisters, it's easy to trust that the Lord is for you and that he is good when he is following you. As you determine what's good... But what happens when the Lord turns your life in a direction you didn't want, like Naomi? God's promises to take care of you are so full. He promises to take care of you emotionally, spiritually, and physically. He promises to provide you with joy and peace and hope. He promises to provide your daily bread. He protects you in the shelter of his wings. And yet, what happens when we don't receive those blessings? All of these promises, what happens when we don't receive them? How does me losing my job show that God is bringing me joy? How does my child's suffering bring me peace? How does me having to beg a friend for food evidence God's daily provision? Well, that's exactly what we can learn from how the Lord works in the life of Naomi. 
the job that is ideal in your mind when you lose it, could it be that God is doing something better? And no, I do not mean at all that he is bringing you into a better job. But could the Lord be doing something better? Maybe breaking down your pride, having you to be a better husband or father. Or is there a way that the suffering of a close relative can actually be used by God to bring overwhelming peace? Or can God provide your daily bread through the hands of a friend or the help of the deacons? Is that still the Lord providing? It's not what you would have wanted. It wasn't your plan. It wasn't ideal for you. But I promise you again, because God promises you over and over and over that he works all things for his glory and for your good. If you are a child of God, He never does anything to you, never makes you go through anything that isn't ultimately for your good. But but also what's crazy is so many people think, yes, I know God is going to work out something good, and when I go to heaven, I'll be able to see that, and that'll be great. But so often, way more often than not, God has a promise for you, and he shows you that promise. He reveals that he has fulfilled that promise, just like the team going to Italy. That we, that we asked the Lord, and we said, Lord, please be with them. Please bless that. And he does. We can look at what the Lord is doing days or months later, even in pain and suffering. And we can see that the Lord is evidencing that he actually is for our good. And we, like Naomi, can raise our hands and we can say, thank you, Lord, for once again proving to be faithful. Your plan was better than mine. You are good. That is not what we wait for heaven for. The Lord evidences his goodness to us all around every day. And that's not even all of it. Of the story of Naomi, of her conversion, nor of our full understanding of what it means to have faith. So if we go on to verses 21 through 23... We see that God has shown Naomi that he is for her, but also we see the last step of faith. As we saw with our opening illustration of you rock climbing, true faith actually makes the leap. You actually have to swing around to the other side, to the ledge, or else you have no faith. And I don't think for Naomi now that this leap that her following the Lord, her trusting him enough to do what he calls her to do. I don't think at this point that there's anything blind about it. How easy is it to step out in faith and follow when she has seen all that she has seen? Ruth is so excited about Boaz. So excited. And now Naomi is brought into that excitement. We see in verse 21, Ruth says, Besides all that, He said to me, you shall keep close to my young men until they have finished all my harvest. She says, Ruth says to Naomi, Boaz is going to provide for us protection and provision for the rest of the harvest. That ends up being about two months. And in those two months, the rest of those two harvests, if Ruth gleaned as much as she did the first day, They would have enough food for the two of them for the whole year. Ruth says, Boaz not only has showed us kindness, but he's made a promise. He promises to protect and to provide. 
And notice Naomi's response in verse 22. It is good. She tells Ruth to stay in Boaz's field. And of course Ruth would. He provided so much. He's been so good. Of course she wouldn't look to another field and get greedy and go to a greener pasture. It would be ridiculous for Ruth to go to a different field. And yet, that's exactly what Naomi has already done. Naomi in chapter 1 turned, back, turned her back on all the promises of God for protection and provision. God has been so good to his people over and over and over. And they have seen his goodness over and over and over. And they're in the land of promise. And even with that, all that evidence, Naomi sees another field. She sees the field of Moab and she walks away from the Lord. This is what conversion looks like. This is what it looks like when someone comes to faith. Their decision and who they follow is exactly opposite of how it was before the Lord claimed their hearts. Naomi now has seen the evidence that God is for her. She trusts that God is good, and now she is willing to follow. She's willing to hear this promise and this future blessing, and now Naomi is excited to wait. She's excited to wait on those blessings. She tells Ruth, it is good to stay in the field of Boaz. Do not wander off like I did. What a good God Naomi serves. Revealing himself, but not only his, himself, but his disposition towards his children. And his promises, so many good promises that he bestows upon us. Are you willing to follow him? Are you willing to wait on his promises? Because being a disciple of Jesus is radically different than the American dream. Are you willing to follow Jesus? To not live for yourself, but for God and for your neighbor? Are you willing to love and to serve with no expectation of being repaid? Are you willing to spend the money that God has entrusted to you, not for yourself, but for his kingdom? Are you ready to follow the Lord and to trust in faith upon him and meditate on his word daily? Are you willing to go out of your way to care for the needy? These are the things that the Lord calls us to. As we have faith, we follow after. Now you're only going to follow him, though, if you trust him. And you're only going to trust him if there's good reason to trust him. So what's the evidence? Again, our good God gives us way more evidence than we could ever imagine. Even if you look back over your life and see that he has provided every single day in every single way. And we can say, of course he's going to provide for me tomorrow. But most of all, when we look for evidence that God is good and that he is for us, we look to the cross. And we proclaim with Naomi, the man is our redeemer. Our God sent his only son to come into this world, to experience all the pain and the suffering and the injustice. And he took all of our sin upon himself on the cross, canceling your record of debt. The verdict is in. 
If the God of the universe is willing to sacrifice his only son for you, I can say confidently to you that he is for you. The evidence has piled up. The verdict is in. Now follow. God loves you so much. Follow. Even if you might not know what he is doing, even if it hurts, even if it means a big self-sacrifice, even if there's suffering, trust God. Your father isn't going to sacrifice his only son for your life and life eternal. Our sovereign God is not going to sacrifice his son and then ignore you and let you waste away without provision. He's not going to sacrifice his only son and then in your time of need, ignore and forget you when you need him for protection. Our God promises to provide and to protect you. Trust him. Amen. Lord God, we thank you for your word again. Your word that tells us that you are good, that you are for us, and that you are absolutely worthy of following. So many good promises, so many evidences daily showing us that you do provide, you do protect. Help us to trust. Praise on Jesus' name. Amen.